And welcome back, everyone, to Double Down with Breslow, the show that covers everything in the sports betting industry with some of the industry's leading experts. And we have another one for you today. This guy's been around a long time in the space, so uh, a, a genuine expert on Internet gaming and sports wagering. It's Seth Young. Currently, he is the founding partner of FSG Digital. That's got a really interesting project. Uh, a new sports betting site aimed at the Spanish-speaking community. Sounds like a great niche. And also partner at GMA Consulting, providing consulting to the gaming industry. And also a, an old friend, Seth. Thanks for coming on the show. Good seeing you, buddy. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You flatter me with a good intro. <laughs> so I've, I've got a ton of things to cover with you. So we'll, we'll try to get through them all in our in our half hour show. Uh, but let's start with talking about this. It's, you know, I hate when I see ideas and I think that I didn't think of it first because I'm the master of coming up with tons of great ideas that I never execute on. And then eventually they happen. and I get to point that cocktails in a can, by the way, Seth, that was me, <laughs> cocktails in a can. And sure enough that, you know, then it comes. So, but a, a gaming, a sports betting site directed at Spanish speaking in the U.S., I presume is, is, the, the idea uh, is brilliant. And I have to admit, I hadn't thought about it. So tell me about that. Yeah, thanks. I mean, the reason it exists is because nobody really thought about it. It's shocking when you have 64 million people in the United States that identify as Latino and 12 million of whom speak Spanish as their first language. And there's nothing in the gambling market focused towards them or catering to the community. So that business, uh, it's FSG Digital, which uh, I co-founded with Seth Shore and Jeffrey Fine, who are two of the owners at Fifth Street Gaming. You know, that business was founded as kind of an extension of Fifth Street Gaming in some way, right? So Fifth Street Gaming owns and operates casinos in Las Vegas. Two of those casinos in particular are in North Las Vegas, in the heart of the Latino community uh, in that city. So one of them was known as the Lucky Club. It was recently gut renovated. It's gorgeous. I was just there a couple of weeks ago. It's called Ojos Locos Sports Cantina y Casino at Hotel Jefe. Uh, for wow. 15, 15 years. That's Seth, a mouthful. It sure is, but it's uh, <laughs> it, it's an unbelievable property. Ojos Locos is um, uh, is you know people call it affectionately the Mexican Hooters, uh, and the the property itself still has a, a very strong Latino clientele. Fifteen years ago, Seth Shore and Jeff Fine founded that business and been catering to that community in North Las Vegas for. Uh, uh, for that time. And the Silver Nugget, which is way up on North Las Vegas Boulevard, kind of by City Hall, has an event center now called the Jefe Bet Event Center, which uh, caters to uh, the Latino community and, and has events, uh, cultural events, whether it's music or food truck rallies or wrestling, things like that. Uh, so we wanted to bring it deeper and, and go on the internet. And so that's why Jefe Bet was born. We started as a media brand more than anything else. You know, a lot of things in the gaming industry are, are commoditized. Uh, but one thing that isn't a commodity is an audience. So we set out to build an audience and then build some things behind that. So long story short, fast forward from, from our, our launch of March last year at hefebet.com, uh, we have a team of, of roughly 40 uh, now uh, across LATAM and the United States. We're creating between 1,000 1,500 proprietary written articles on a monthly basis and really are driving a tremendous amount of sustainable traffic. Um, so now today, um, with our strategic investors, and we have a fantastic cap table, we're launching Real Money Sportsbook and Casino in select Latin American jurisdictions where we have strong traffic. And in the U.S., we're um, focusing on a sweepstakes play, uh, which is really quite interesting uh, uh, to um, to supplement our affiliate business. So we're uh, very, very excited about that, about that business. And uh, frankly, we're the only ones doing it. We're the only business of our kind uh, in this market. 
Uh, so sweepstakes, sweepstakes related to sports, related to sports. Well, it's a casino um, and and more online gaming, uh, very, more similar to uh, to social gaming than anything else. Uh, it's just a different set of law, different nuance yeah. um, as relates to the U.S. market. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm extremely familiar with sweepstakes gaming. My old company did did a lot of it. And the, speaking of all my brilliant ideas, I've always been thinking about how you could combine sweepstakes with sports betting in a way that could possibly be legal. I mean, is there any element of that to where you guys are heading or? We're not doing that for sports. There is a company, uh, you know, called Fliff in the United States that has a, a, an interesting model like that. And they've been finding some success from what I understand. I'm also invested in the business called Ultimate Odds, which has a light sweepstakes element, kind of like a fantasy sports book product, super interesting novel concept. Concept, uh, run by a guy named Jonathan Beerig uh, and some friends and I um, put some put a little bit of cash into that. Uh, basically, you draft bets instead of players, uh, and you can win uh, win prizes, real money prizes with a, a real money entry uh, based on the parlay math uh, that your bets add up to. So, say for example, you have um, seven active bets on your active roster. Jim and you and I are playing uh, against one another. I might have Jags money line one week. You might have 49ers money line and then six other bets. If my Jags money line hits and then two or three other uh, hits, it'll add up what that would have been from a parlay perspective. And if I'm plus 2000 and you're like plus 1500, my odds were longer, which means I win the contest. Uh, and so it's a, an interesting way to learn about uh, how to bet on parlays and and generally uh, get introduced. To and, and that's yeah, that does sound like a cool model. It's, it, it's like fantasy except based on teams, right? But but right because you're betting, not betting, but you're picking the games as opposed to players. Yeah, so you're not you're you're out. The outcome of the game isn't determined by the success of a wager so much as the outcome of the game is determined by the parlay odds that you would you would basically have by by winning one two four or five of those you know bets within your roster uh so super interesting nobody's done anything like that i think the game is awesome uh the app is pretty intuitive too interesting just to stay on that for a second because again sweeps you're saying this is a sweepstakes model there is some sweepstakes element to it yeah i encourage oh. you to check out the app for sure Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause sweepstakes, I think is supposed to not, you know, everybody's got an equal chance and it's supposed to be based on chance. I think for, for people who aren't overly familiar with sweepstakes, just the basics of it, as you obviously know, is that it's the, you know, it's the, it's the soda, uh, it's the, the bottle of Pepsi that you open up the top and on the, on, underneath the cap, you have a chance to win a prize. You're buying a product and ancillary to the product is a chance to win a, a prize, but you know, there has to be a real product and then you have to have alternative means of entering and, and all that kind of stuff. But, that that's in a nutshell what sweepstakes is but so going back to, to hefe what, what is the actual website hefe sports yeah it's hefebet.com uh globally hefe bet. yeah and we'll have different uh different platforms for our different products that we're shortly introducing so will that be is the objective for hefe bet to be something that people in the u.s can go and place their bets on uh, in a manner of speaking it's not necessarily a bet if it's a sweepstakes platform right so we'll have a free-to-play uh, uh version of games um still a work in progress um, so in latin america we'll have a real money progress uh product with casino and sports betting um under license at a malta and in uh under federal license in, in jurisdictions where uh, we may apply for one and receive one, uh, the United States will be uh, a sweepstakes value proposition. So technically it's not a better a wager, but there is a real money value proposition in the sense that you can play games and, and potentially win real prizes uh, depending on the structure. So it won't be for sports for us, uh, but it will closer to, to, to casino games and um, you know, free to play social games that you may be aware of in the market today. Mm -hmm. um, is one of the thinkings that is just so darn competitive out there as far as the sports wagering uh, sites and the amount of money that they're 
overspending that trying to wade into those waters is just uh, too expensive? It's a good question. I, I think market access deals are definitely changing with the consolidation in the industry. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago, it was an arms race to try to get uh, into, into every market that you could make deals with the license holders, whether land-based casinos or racetracks or going directly in a limited license environment. Um, but the life cycle uh, of this particular business, you know, we're just not big enough uh, to come in and try to compete with with the incumbents, uh, even though we have an interesting value proposition in Spanish. So the sweepstakes mechanics and, and the way that this works allows us to go and build a brand and access a lot more markets uh, in, in um, let's call it not a regulated casino environment because it's sweepstakes is not regulated gambling by any means. Uh, so we can still go out and engage prospective consumers in our target markets uh, where we tend to have a lot of traffic, whether that's California or Florida or New York or Texas or Georgia. And all of those markets have their own nuance as it relates to sweepstakes. Uh, but for us, um, those are places where where Latinos will over-index as, as a percentage of the population uh, and a natural way for us to um, to engage our target audience. What do you see that's going on at the big boys, MGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, et cetera, when it comes to appealing to Spanish speakers in the U.S.? Not a whole lot, Jim. Uh, I know that, you know, look, we it's table stakes to just translate an app into Spanish and Right now, you know, PointsBet, a great company, has a Spanish language app. Bet365 has a Spanish language app. I'm of the understanding that some of the larger groups are looking to uh, put out an app in Spanish, but it's not enough just to put out an app in Spanish and call the day. Uh, we really had a focus on authenticity when it came to uh, introducing content and engaging our target audience. Um, so, that, and that's done with with by focusing on on the sports and the value propositions that. Uh, and the games and things that that the audience is interested in. It's not always the same as all other other cohorts in the market. It really is led by soccer and boxing uh, and other sports kind of take a back seat, whereas we may be more focused on football uh, or basketball in mainstream. It really is a little bit different. So, you know, I'm hoping that that the major groups will will lean into it. And for now, we've got a you know we've got a great and growing audience that uh, that we can be a great partner for those books. Uh, in the supporting economy for. I didn't hear a lot of Latin sounding names in those founders. I, what, what what the heck do you guys know about the uh, Hispanic community? That's a fair question. Look, I do speak <laughs> Spanish, which is helpful. And as I mentioned, you know, uh, while I'm not Latino, Seth Shore and, and, and uh, Jeffrey Finer are, are not Latino. Uh, for 15 years, they have been serving the Latino audience. And Ojos Locos today and Lucky the Lucky Club before, frankly, were the it, it's the only casino in the country that's singularly focused towards the Latino audience. Um, there is nobody else doing this at all, period, full stop. So despite the fact that we are not Latino, we we do um, have a tremendous amount of experience just providing entertainment to the audience and and staff in, in the Ojos Locos property, you know, is Latino. We have Latino leadership uh, across the board and in FSG Digital uh, in particular, where we're running Hefe Bet, the vast majority of our team is is based in Latin America. So despite the fact that, that the co-founders are not Latino, we are certainly leaning into the market in all ways. And, and the Vegas property, is that designed mostly for locals or for tourists? It's very much a locals property, but uh, to be honest, I mean, it, it's becoming a little bit more of a destination. Ojos Locos is fun. The layout of this property is a little bit different than any casino that I've really seen. You know, we've a couple hundred TVs, uh, a beautiful sports bar and restaurant uh, serving good uh, Mexican cuisine. And it's really centered around the bar and the restaurant. There's a club uh, and like patio being built outside. 
uh, the slot machines kind of around this. So it's almost like a restaurant lounge bar first and casino second, but it's all blended. It's just a very interesting property. Uh, and if you're in Vegas, I encourage you to see it. I, I think I would venture to say, you know, five, 10 years ago, it wouldn't be a place that that you're really going to Vegas and traveling to. But now, now there's merit to that. It really is. It really is nice. That's really interesting. Is, is it similar to anything on the strip that you could compare it to as far as how, how it's laid out? I don't think it's similar to anything that I've seen in the United States, frankly. It is very much a first of its kind property. And then they also have the Grand, which, correct? Fifth Street Gaming has the Grand downtown on Fremont Street. Now, is the Grand the brand new one that's got the huge outdoor TVs by the pool? Or is that, a, is, am I got the wrong one? Uh, the Grand's, I mean, Grand's been around for a bit. Um, there's some beautiful renovated rooms uh, in the gallery tower. The pool is really, really popular. It's just off of Fremont Street. The casino itself is nice. Um, I love that property. I stay there when I'm in Vegas. They have great restaurants across the street. Hogs and Heifers is right there. How's their uh, sports book? Uh, sports book is brand new, just opened. So yeah, it's a nice little locals property from that one. What is the one that I'm thinking of that's got the huge uh, screens by the pool? You may be thinking of Circa. Circa. Okay. I know you don't want to have to mention the competition, but uh... <laughs> it's a great property too, right? So uh, I've been there. I've been there also. Um, it's well, one look, of... it's all good for everybody. It, it's all good for everybody else. I mean, the more renovation there is to downtown is just going to help every one of those hotels because the whole point of you know the strip, nobody wants to stay just at their hotel hotel. They like being on the strip and checking out the other places. And at downtown, same thing. The, the, the better the place is, the better for everybody. Vegas is Vegas. Every place has its own charm. Uh, you know, the, whether it's downtown Grand, the the Circa, the Bellagio, the Wynn, all very, very different properties, different strokes for different people. All right. Well, let's dig into sports betting a bit more and, and you know, the, the recent online expansion that, you know, we've been covering on, on the show. We still got big markets to go like Florida, Texas, and California still haven't happened. But just share with us, you know, kind of your high level observations of sports betting in the US, you know, where it is today and, and what, what you think the future looks like. That's a big question, Mr. Breslow. It's uh it's a fantastic and growing and large industry that is going to be very different in five years and was very different five years ago. Sort of given up predicting the future other than to say, you know, I'm expecting a tremendous amount of consolidation in the market. Uh, I know I'm on record a couple of years ago saying that be a ton of carcasses on the side of the road when it was all said and done. All of the groups that were in the market uh, from day one will not necessarily be the same groups that are in the market on on day 3000, right? Um, So you have now uh, land-based groups with really strong multi-jurisdictional property profiles, great loyalty programs that are starting to gain a tremendous and, and retain a tremendous amount of market share vis-a-vis the pure online brands that came out of the gate super hard. Uh, so you you know at the top you have groups like DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM, uh, Caesars, uh, Barstool, PointsBet. Um, all really good companies. You have fanatics entering the market who are a big wild card um, with a tremendous amount of capital, great leadership team, uh, by all accounts, what we hope is a good product and really interesting assets behind it. Um, every group has a different value proposition in the market. Uh, and not all groups are created equal from a tech perspective. I would wager that, you know, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet, without bias, by the way, you know, given my background with PointsBet, those three companies have by far the best apps in the game. Everybody else is sort of a tier below uh, and it takes a while to catch up. So, you know, for my money, that's that's where I would play uh, if I wanted an experience that was fast and easy and 
uh, and super intuitive from a tech perspective. Um, but the market itself, look, at legal in, in dozens of states now uh, with iGaming likely following in, in a lot of them, although that's been a slower rollout. You have different kinds of tax structures and gov uh, overarching governance structures in, in, in all states. I mean, and they're all very different. Some are lottery monopolies, some are just monopolies, some are artificially constricted markets that uh, have limited licenses available. Some have open licensing like Tennessee, which is its own very interesting market, uh, just past new rules and, and, and a handle tax. So it kind of runs the gamut. Uh, I guess what is most interesting to me today is how the market is evolving. You know, I think we're entering chapter two of the market. Chapter one was who's interested, land grab, customer acquisition wars to create an anchor in, in every state. And now that that's sort of, uh, I, I don't want to say normalized, but it, it's gotten to a point where you see who the clear winners and losers are going to be. You see who the groups are that really have a chance uh, of going in, in the direction of being a winner. And you see the groups that are just not leaning into sports at all and kind of waiting for casino. And it's it's becoming a bit more clear about what's going to happen next in the market, at least from my perspective. All right. Well, you've told people which ones they should probably play on. Uh, I think people are also going to want to know which ones they, they should play on on the Charles Schwab account. So uh, we're, we're going to want one recommendation for you on that after the break. We'll make people listen to some commercials uh, first. We'll be back soon with Seth, Seth Young on Double Down. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Welcome back, everyone, to Double Down. We are talking to Seth Young. He's the founder of SSG Digital, who's got a new product out there, cafebet.com, direct to the Latino market. Also, founder of GMA Consulting, consulting in the in the gaming industry. Uh, before we move on to other other subjects, though, I promised one one tip. As you look at the companies out there, you know, in sports wagering in, in general, uh, and I know th th there's not a lot of pure sports uh, betting plays when it comes to buying a stock. But are there any companies out there that you really you really like? So I'm not a um, I'm not giving investment advice or anything like that. Uh, you've made that you, you've made that disclaimer. Okay, now now you can go ahead and give the advice. There are a lot of companies <laughs> that I really like, and I think you know, look for me, I look at the market and it kind of looks like everything is on sale. You know, the markets have really bottomed out, uh, particularly as it relates to the gambling industry. What I continue to lean back on, it depends on your investment horizon, right? These businesses, whether it's Sportsbook or Casino or B2B companies serving the markets, the underlying business mo models have long proven to be profitable. It's not speculative in that sense. It is speculative in some sense that you, you have to pick the winners and losers as you see it. Uh, but those that you know, can show their ability, the ability to, to, to make a profit in the industry. And 
and are able to um, show the ability to launch in new markets and obtain uh, licensure in, in jurisdictions that they wish to enter, they should be the winners. And, and I would remind the audience that you don't have to have 50% market share to have a tremendously large business in this uh, in this gambling industry. You know, the, the brick and mortar side of the business retail casinos, whether it's commercial or tribal, it's $85 billion a year. And most analysts suggest that the sports betting and iGaming industry together will be about $55 billion annually uh, from a revenue opportunity perspective at maturity, which means that if you have five, if you're a player with 5% market share at maturity, you've got a $250 million top line revenue business. Uh, and if your bottom line is is 20%, you've got a $50 million EBITDA business. So you could do the math on, on valuations and, and multiples there and, and see what is um you know what's valued appropriately uh appropriately what isn't i'm just in a lot of stuff frankly yeah yeah uh what about flutter in particular which owns uh fanduel you, you like that one uh, flutter you know people would ask me us really all the time um when i was at points bet we did uh we, we took the company public uh went on the ipo roadshow and the question was who do you view as as your biggest competition in the market and fanduel was always the number one answer flutter is it, it, I think for most people, the best operator in the world as it relates to sports betting, they really know what they're doing. Great tech, great product, tremendous team with tremendous acumen, really good at marketing, clearly have shown an ability to gain and retain market share. Uh, yeah, that's a great company as far as I'm concerned. So so tell everybody real quick about PointsBet because um, th that's where you were formerly and, and, and it's a really unique model and a unique company because it, it comes out of Australia, right? Yeah, PointsBet was born out of Australia. Uh, Andy Faye, Nick Faye, two brothers and Sam Swanell. Uh, were the three co-founders of it, alongside really a guy named Brett Payton, who was uh, uh, the main financier at the time for the business and uh, still the chairman of the board. So PointsBet, I loved this business. And I joined very early when I met uh, the founding team. They just saw the world the same way as I did. And if I was to do something myself, I would have basically done it the same way as the PointsBet guys. And really, you know, sports-led, sportsbook first. It does have a casino product in jurisdictions where online casino is legal, which is doing well. Uh, but the, the main feature that differentiates PointsBet from the others, this, uh, besides having what I think is a market-leading app with, again, without bias, I don't take it with a grain of salt, all the things, but the app is tremendously fast, um, really good customer service. There's points betting, which you know may, you may know as lightning betting in, in the black or gray markets prior to the legalization of sports betting across uh, the country, and that's uh, spread betting, right? So you can... Uh, take the over under on LeBron James points. Let's say his line is, is 20 points and you say, I want a points bet on the over and it goes to, he goes to 35 points and you have a dollar on it, right? You're going to make uh 15 X uh, your wager, your dollar wager, because it went over by 15. If it goes under by three and to 17, you're going to lose three X your wager. So in this case, if you bet a dollar and he hits 35, you make 15 bucks. If he hits 17, you make three bucks. Uh, and there are really, really volatile markets that uh, you can bet on that make this a very swingy, very fun, very sweaty product, right? So <laughs> tons of derivative markets that just have, I mean, you can have volatility in in, in the thousand X range, uh, but you can cap out your risk, uh, you know, both ways, whether it's downside protection or upside cap uh, based on your risk tolerance. What, so I, what's uh, one of the more volatile bets that you could make? Uh, I mean, you could do a points betting market with uh, LeBron's points multiplied by uh, Draymond Green's rebounds multiplied by Steph Curry's uh, uh, amount of three points, uh, three point shots that Steph Curry hits in the game. And that creates a, a market of X versus X and you pick an over and an under, and it could be just very large numbers that have the ability to multiply way beyond, you know, a 5X, 10X. 
uh, and and any bet like that, right? So, or um, Patrick Mahomes passing yards multiplied by Tom Brady's passing yards in a game. And those are big numbers. You could have yeah. 50 times 300. And if the line is 4,000, well, then you've made 2,000 X, you know, yeah. or something like that. And then, and then of course, in, in a regular NFL football game, you can do it, right? Sure. And then yeah. there's so many different ways to, to bet on points bet. Um, and that's one of the, the was historically and still is one of the main selling points of points bet is the just sheer amount of betting opportunities and the derivative markets outside of the straight, you know, um, pre, pre-match wagers or in-game wagers that are traditional and you'll find kind of everywhere. This has it all, frankly. So, so just to take an NFL game, for instance, teams favored by seven points, you, you still have a line like that, right? And then everything is about how many points you beat the, the, the line by or how much you lost by yeah and there was uh so an example an nfl example there was a god i think it was a ravens dolphins game a couple of years ago and the ravens won something like 47 10 the line maybe was minus seven uh from a ravens perspective and we had a guy uh a, a big client who put a, a fair amount of money on on the spread and ended up winning something like 32 or 42 times that massive massive bet uh and it was a big bet right and I think it was the Ravens that set a single season, a single game record for their uh, franchise from a scoring perspective. It was just a perfect storm uh, for that guy. Uh, so yeah, it was, if it was 49, then it was 42 X. He made 42 times his bet. So if he bet hundred K made $4.2 million. For just out of curiosity, if I, if I take a team, an underdog, so I'm taking them plus 10 and they end up winning the game by a point. Okay. So it's a, that's a big upset. They won it by a point. Um, but still it's just treated as 11 points, right? Yeah. I, I beat the spread by 11 points. So if I had bet on the favorite minus 10 and they won by 21, which seems to me kind of more likely, frankly, but maybe not. Same, same amount of winnings, essentially. You, you yeah. beat the spread by 11, either direction. Yeah, exactly that. But in that in that scenario, if you had bet the, the favorite minus 10 and they lost, then you would uh, have minus 11. Um, so right. your $10, for example, would be minus 110. Uh, right. You have that in your account to cover, and that's what you'd lose. Yeah. So I had never, so I hadn't even heard of the concept before you, you're the first one who told me about points bet. And I didn't know there was something called lightning betting, but that's, that's what another name for the same thing. Yeah. Spread betting, lightning betting, but in the U S really, it is known as points betting because points bet is the only uh, regulated legal book to offer it was so yeah. So lightning betting in the U S was it available anywhere before points bet? In the black market, just like all sports betting was, uh, black market's still pretty easy to access, um, you know, without a tremendous amount of enforcement. But um, yeah, mostly just the black market. And has there been anybody copying yet on the legal side of points bet? I've seen. Huh? Not that I've seen. And I mean, it's not it's not that difficult to do, is it? Or is there a real trick it's to it? Tre- it's tremendously difficult to do. Okay. Uh, how to trade this, you can really get skinned as an operator. It's a volatile product. So if your lines are are, are off by any means, or, or you just don't have good trading acumen, or you're outsourcing your trading to groups that are just not an expert in this space, um, it can be quite damaging uh, if you just don't do it right. So uh, look, points bet was born out of uh, just tremendous acumen from a trading and risk management perspective. It's a sports led brand with really, really strong uh, trading. So the, and they it, had already um, been doing points betting in Australia. How the business started. It was the first product was points betting. Uh-huh. Um, and 
for for points bet customers approximately what percentage are doing because i assume they they offer regular betting also yeah point so points bet offers everything they also offer this right so right. you wanted to do points betting in the United States, and you also wanted to bet on sports. So this is the only, uh, you know, traditionally, as you you put it, this is the only place where you can do it. So yeah. of the people that are on it for points bet, are the vast majority though doing the points betting uh, element? I, I couldn't give you any numbers, unfortunately. I'm just uh, I haven't been so I, I while I was I suppose instrumental in points bets growth in the United States. It's been a couple of years since I've been in the business. I left in July 21 to uh, pursue the other initiatives that we talked about, like Hefe Bet or. Uh, some of the investments, things like that. And right now it is trading in the US, PointsBet? Yeah, so PointsBet is public on the Australian Stock Exchange. We do have a US listing. Uh, yeah, tremendous Interesting. Company. Let's talk about, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, you know, uh, online sports betting versus online casino. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how significant online casino could potentially be. You don't hear that much about it. Everything you hear about is sports betting online, but betting on all types of casino games, primarily being virtual slot machines, right, uh, is probably coming also. Um, and it probably would dwarf sports betting, wouldn't it, as far as revenue? Uh, yeah, for sure. You nailed it, man. So it's most analysts suggest that the iGaming market at maturity is worth about $30 billion from a revenue perspective annually, uh, while sports betting is pinned at, say, $25 billion annually. I have my own projections. I would contend the iGaming market is actually quite a bit larger than the $30 billion uh, number, uh, particularly because when you introduce convenience gaming, while there is no evidence to suggest that it cannibalizes retail gaming, in fact, quite the opposite, it ends up augmenting retail gaming. You look at any jurisdiction that has legal online gambling, uh, that is casino um, and retail casinos, it's kind of like a rising tide lifts all boats. The revenue just, just goes up and up and up. Uh, over 20 years, I don't know what happens, but uh, from a convenience gaming perspective, I would imagine at some point that $85 billion a year market starts channelizing a little bit into the online casino space. It is really important. And we saw this during COVID, right? When you had retail casinos shut down, those that had an interactive profile actually had a backstop uh, to mitigate their downside uh, loss of, of having their properties closed uh, across the country. From a, a taxable revenue perspective, states will do well by introducing iGaming. It just meets people where they are. Same as, as shopping online with Amazon or streaming with Netflix. When you meet people where they are, it tends to be successful. And from a tech perspective, every company has solved all of the pain points that legislators, you know, five, seven years ago would whinge about when they said, what about the kids? How, how do you solve consumer protection? How do you solve for geolocation? Tech is really advanced. This is not even a conversation anymore. It's more politicized at the moment. And um, if it's not introduced in the state, it's, it's, it's not because you can't run it effectively. It's for other reasons. So um, it's a huge market. Uh, and, and you you're seeing in the states where sports betting and online casino are are run together that companies tend to be more successful. Um, they can drive a profit. Sports betting is a low margin business, whereas online casino is a lot more predictable in some ways. They're both predictable in some way, right? But online casino is higher margin and it is just, I guess, better uh, for an operator. Having those two entertainment products together is, is just a recipe for success, not just for the state, but for an operator and, and really for the citizens that don't have to go into the black market and, and play without any, any semblance of consumer protection. So all in all, it's just a win all around. Why was Sheldon Adelson so famously opposed to online gaming, considering what you're saying as far as it 
being complimentary. Unfortunately, he he passed, and um, he was a giant of a man in the gambling industry. I couldn't possibly give you an answer. Uh, so much as you know, you, you listen to guys like Andy Abood, who was long time uh, his longtime mouthpiece for this at, at iGaming conferences, where they would show up at from time to time and and argue with the proponents of iGaming. If you had to guess, uh, you know, you'd say look at their land-based holdings and and how they uh, how they make their own money and 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 a lot of people look at iGaming as a threat uh, to land-based casinos. I wouldn't be in that camp. I think it's wholly incremental in all ways. I think if you don't have an iGaming profile and you're a casino, you're doing it wrong uh, in this day and age. But for them, they were really late to the game. There are rumors, you know, here and there about why. Uh, a guy like Sheldon Adelson may have been so staunchly opposed to it, and it didn't really have to do with business so much as it was personal, but they're rumors, and it's not for me to repeat, so it's hard to say, man. Yeah, so bottom line, though, they never did anything in that space. So the last couple of years, they had uh, an investment arm that was deploying capital into the supporting economy, and, and in some cases, directly into the economy, but that that fund has been wound down uh, and they do have an interactive profile with um, some businesses that they purchased that are currently still working within the uh, the company, uh, but they haven't really uh, come out and um, I guess launched at scale yet. Uh, so, you know, I personally am watching to see what they do. There's some really, really talented people in that organization putting some product forward, but no, well, they, they don't have a B2C uh, operation. They do have like light interactive in, in, in Macau, so to speak, with, with, you know, iPads to, to deal with, with customer overflow, but that's about it. Yeah. And the interesting development now is they don't even have Venetian uh, and Palazzo anymore, right? They, they're just in Macau and they've, they've sold off their Vegas properties. Uh, I think they, they sold off the, the real estate. Uh, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm outside of my depth on that one. I'd have to look. There's, there's yeah. so many things that happen all the time in the gaming business. I, yeah. I want to answer you incorrectly, but I yeah. think you're right. And then, and then to wrap up on, on, on iCasinos, uh, remind me or tell our viewers, how many states have approved that? Oh, good. Gosh, I think it's seven now. Uh, if we go down the list, and they're all they're all a little bit different. So Delaware has a lottery monopoly that's been with eight 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 for a while. They've just put out an RFP potentially to get a new vendor. Uh, new Jersey was the first state to have iGaming launched in twenty thirteen. Really paved the uh, paved the way for it. Um, you have Nevada with some semblance of iGaming, kind of not really. You don't really think of Nevada as an iGaming state, but they have online poker. You have Pennsylvania, which is iGaming. Is, is uh, there any of them? Sorry, Seth. Is there any of them that pretty much just allows everything? Any any state that yeah. New Jersey, New Jersey allows iGaming. Michigan uh, allows iGaming and sports betting. So, uh, uh, Pennsylvania, so the same. The really the, the states that that operators can't access without a monopoly are are Delaware and um, my goodness, I can't believe I'm, I'm blanking on this. Uh, Connecticut, Connecticut has a duopoly with uh, with Mohegan Sun and and. Um, and Fox was mesh, mesh. So, so in some of those states that really are wide open on casino online gaming, I presume revenue from that is higher than sports. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Just like at the casinos where, you know, they always say sports books are, are um, a lost leader essentially at casinos. Yes. And no. So there's some uh, groups that are obviously, you know, really taking advantage of the revenue opportunity as it relates to sports betting. And there are some groups that look at it, sports betting as an amenity, but more broadly, take a step back, look at the entire interactive ecosystem going back to, you know, 20 years ago in Europe, all of the biggest companies uh, that were, that grew out of Europe and really some of them that are in the U S now um, born from that, they started out, everybody started out as a sports book. Sports just touches every part of culture in every country. It's just entangled, intertwined in day-to-day in -day life everywhere. 
So it's always the first touch point, usually the first touch point of customer acquisition. And then books will, you know, ostensibly work to cross sell those consumers to play in casino. Uh, so it's the widest part of a customer acquisition funnel. All the biggest casinos online, with very little exception, all started out of sports. Yeah, interesting. Well, we didn't get to the vast majority of subjects I wanted to get to, Seth. So you're going to have to agree to come on again. <laughs> the half hour went very, very quickly. But uh, what, what do you want to promote to people? Uh, is it Hefe Bet for people to go check out? Yeah, if I'm going to be self-serving in any uh, way, shape, or form, Hefe Bet is awesome. We're putting out content every day. Uh, we have some great products coming out. It's still very much a startup, but it is growing so rapidly. Um, GMA Consulting, where I'm involved, is a full-service hospitality firm. Uh, we work with uh, some of the smallest startups and then some of the largest blue-chip clients in the space and everything in between. Um, involved with a couple of companies I really like, like EQL Games, which is a lottery game inventor and aggregator and supplier, um, launching shortly in, in Michigan uh, with the online lottery. Um, Connectify, a group that streamlines AML investigations uh, for both land-based and online properties. ClearStake, a group that does affordability checks. KindBridge, a group that treats responsible gambling through a telehealth platform. So many interesting companies in the ecosystem. There's so much opportunity uh, in the space. There are a tremendous amount of exciting things we can talk about, Jim. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll definitely do it again. Uh, and just check out Seth Young on LinkedIn, and you'll see uh, a thousand different companies the guy's involved in. So you're, you're obviously a busy man and need to go, go, go get to it. <laughs> we'll let you go. Thanks so much for joining and thank everyone for watching and listening to Double Down. We'll be back soon with another great episode for you. Take care. I want you to smash that like button. <laughs>